everyone. Welcome to Tent Talks. I'm Stacy, and I'm here today with guest Lindsay Powell. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Stacy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming. Tell us a little bit about yourself and like what you do professionally. Yeah, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker and practicing in American Fork. I'm passionate about working with people with trauma, religious trauma, all kinds of trauma, faith transitions. I do a lot of EMDR, internal family systems. Can you explain to people what E um I always mix yes. it up either EDMR, <laughs> MD, EMDR. Will yeah. you explain to us what that is and also what internal family systems is? Yes, good question. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and Basically, through your lateral eye movement, it calms down the amygdala so that you can process difficult memories or emotions. It just helps to make it more manageable to process and heal and shift negative core beliefs through having eyes moving back and forth, or you can even have tapping on like the right and left of your body. Because it connects the right and left hemisphere of your brain. There's different researchers, neurobiologists, that make different hypotheses of what's happening. They know that it calms down the amygdala, and some people have said, yeah, it's stimulating the right and left hemisphere of the brain. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Somebody discovered it going on a walk. Francine Shapiro, she had all these negative thoughts that were stuck. And as she was walking, she was looking, her eyes were naturally moving right and left. And she noticed like a shift. And that's how it developed. Oh, I've never heard how it developed. Cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like a lot of therapists do like walking therapy for that same reason that you're uh -huh. like getting the movement and the hips are propelling right and left. Exactly. Right and left. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. And then internal family systems. Yeah, so that was developed by Richard Schwartz, and some people call that like inner child work. It's a We've similar... heard a lot about inner okay. child work, yeah, because we talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. My experience with internal family systems is that like in every family, there are these roles that are given, and it's like any family or any group dynamic has it, and it's learning to call out like how those voices and roles have taken home in your body. So like you might have this, for example, for me, I have this voice that's always like critiquing me. And that might be my dad, or the mm -hmm. voice that's always telling me that I can't and I must stay close and stay safe. That's my mom. And even though like it may have been really loving in the moment and protective, when you get older as an adult, sometimes those voices or those parts of yourself take hold and they like tell you to do things still and you have to call out those voices. Is that kind of yes, like what it is for you too? Yeah, totally. Okay. I think we all have. And for sure, yeah. it's shaped by childhood experiences, like how, mm -hmm. how dad talked to us or maybe even with friends. Maybe we felt rejected by friends. So we have this voice of, you know, am I fitting in? Am I doing the right thing? And so it's helping those first to have awareness. So mm -hmm mapping out and just being like, what is this part versus over identifying with this is me, Lindsay, I am always critical. It's like, oh, there's a critical part, but I also have a loving part. The goal is to get more into the self energy, your true self, higher self, it's called different things across different traditions, but capital S self. Yes. Yeah, your soul self. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love this author. Her name is Danielle Laporte. And she explains internal family structures a lot differently. She first introduced it like if you were a coach, you're the coach. and So that's the real self. self. Uh And each of the players on your soccer team is a different part. And so like you might have anxiety and confidence, depression, whatever, but like your starting person, you might really want anxiety, but you might want to pair it up with confidence because Mm -hmm. together those are really like fast moving and fast acting. Adrenaline, energy. Yeah. So she kind of explains it in this way of how you can like work with the different parts of yourself. Because the point is not to like ditch a part of yourself. It's to integrate it, use it, put it in its place. And sometimes there's like, the really shameful part of myself or the part of me that just is always, you know, feeling that way, that's not going to go away. It's Mm -hmm. just going to not get to be at the starting line of every soccer game or whatever, if I were the coach in that scenario. Exactly. But it might, you know, help comfort somebody or Mm -hmm. be the water boy or something, you know, like it'll have Mm -hmm. its job. I love that. Yeah. It makes me think of Inside Out. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, Bing Bong, the elephant. Do you mm-hmm. remember this scene? Yeah. Bing Bong is like really sad because I think the girl is forgetting him or oh, something. yeah. And then Joy is like, come on, buddy, like cheer up. And she's trying to be like, it's okay. And like it doesn't work. Like el- the elephant Bing Bong is just like – Okay, but like I'm still really sad. Yeah, this and is just who I am. This is just who I am. And then like sadness comes over and it's just like just accepts him and is like, you're sad. That's really sad. And she like cries with him and is with him. And then he like releases and feels and just is able to be in his emotion. And then it isn't as big. And he helps like at the end. Yes. Like, yeah, he he finds his role at the end to help do the the momentum with like I don't know they're like flying down a hill or something. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. So then they can return back. I can't remember yeah. either. But there's I, something. There's but some yeah healing. He finds his value and he can do his part. And that's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like th- so the book I read on internal family system is no bad parts. Mm-hmm. And so like yeah these like parts inside of you are not bad. They have a place and they're there for a reason. You just kind of have to give them their chore. And I think that has been a huge shift for me in my own as a client in in therapy is I had this achieving doing part that was like in therapy, like I need to heal, you know, everything yeah. and I need to be, you know, this is what I think it should look like. And ironically, the more I've had my therapist be like, just sit with that part and and see if you can turn towards it and accept it. Like it softens mm-hmm. and that doing or isn't as loud. But even that part, I can accept that without over identifying with it. I think that acceptance and turning towards that there's no bad part has been really transformative yeah. and hard. <laughs> yeah, well, I too have wanted to really force healing, mm-hmm. speed it up get on like the express lane. And healing is something that happens to your body. And it happens automatically. Like it will happen in your sleep, it will happen with experiences that you're having. So you can chase it. Or you can just like let it happen. Because every moment is like an opportunity 
to heal, recalibrate, restore, whatever. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I took away that like agenda of trying to be on the fast track, that's actually when I noticed more healing happening because I could be more present with situations and not as reactive or, uh-huh. you know, create distance and space between how I would manage a situation because I was just being slower in the present moment rather than trying to speed up and get to the next thing and outdo this and, you know, uh-huh. obstacle and, course this. And kind of in our head, right? Because if we're doing and trying to achieve I, at least I, I picture that being there's energy maybe in the body and movement. There's also this like thinking of what's mm-hmm. the next thing and what's the next thing. So it kind of detaches us from our body, I think, and from the present moment. Yeah. I've got a fast brain and a slow body. <laughs> I like that. And so I've got to try to bridge those gaps a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think most people do. I think it's kind of a symptom of capitalism too, of over productivity. Yeah. And and maybe religion. Yeah. Maybe That's religion what's coming up for me. Yeah. There's a lot of achieving from the religion that I was raised in, yeah. salvation and progress and perfection and checklists. Yeah. Duty. Mhm. Doing duty. doing your duty with a heart full of song <laughs> or whatever it is. Ooh, like I had remember. a somatic response yeah. to that. I had yeah. like a Where? a tightening of my neck. Mm-hmm. And and the hair kind of came up in the back of my neck, Ooh. and a, and kind of a gross feeling, kind of a cringy like. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we were oh we were talking on the way over here about first stepping into somatics and how we used to think that if somebody asked us how we felt in our body that that like the other person had the answer and we were supposed to try to find what the right answer was. Yes, and. You just step into your body and feel what is there. There's no like right Right. answer. What do you think has helped you to have more trust in your body and to be Mm. less looking for outside reassurance of what's the right thing? Yeah. Ooh, that's a great question. I I mean, this is going to sound like a cop out, (laughs) but it's honestly the vulnerability of clients. Hmm. I think... In witnessing other people, they've taught me how to do it and given me courage. Hmm. And I think it only takes one person to model something to have that memory and to know what it looks like. And I had never had it modeled to me growing up. Uh And I needed somebody to model it. And once I saw it modeled and saw it again and again, then I knew how to hold space for it. And I knew then how to do it for myself. And I had to find my own version because we all find our own versions of what that looks like. But even somebody just showing up really vulnerably, really real. I don't know. That's what about for you? I love that. I'll answer that, but I want to respond to what you said because it's making me think of how we heal not alone, like that it's from the, what is that, mirror neurons or or whatever the mechanism is or mm-hmm. just being able to co-regulate and see somebody else going through that process helped something to click for you, even if it's a different way of like, oh yeah, I've seen this, I've experienced this versus this individualistic 
you know, yeah. we need to do it on our own and work so hard. Yeah, I was thinking of, for me, I think I tried doing other people's ways for a while until I found what worked for me. And I think there's pieces of a lot of different things that I tried that still work, but I had to kind of put it into my own mixture. Mm -hmm. So when I left Mormonism, oh, yeah. the, the model was there is this God outside of you, even yes. like, even though they're not saying this, it, the, the idea is that it's like up in the clouds or in the sky or like heaven, whatever that looks mm -hmm. like. So there's something outside of you. There's an outside authority and you need to purify yourself so that you can connect mm -hmm. to that outside. And there's that doing again, right? You yeah. have to be a certain level. You have to be before you clean, can access purity. That. Yeah. There's, yeah. yeah, there's a checklist to get pure, to have access to that thing. Yes. Well, Obedience. when, when I left religion, I found a lot of like goddess mm -hmm. groups because I needed, I needed to believe that as a woman, I was holy and I was good. And what does the goddess teach? She teaches you to go within and find mm -hmm. wisdom in your body because your body holds the creative vessel. Like you literally create life in your body. Your mm -hmm. life is holy because it's life and life is holy and we respect life. Mm. And so it became this internal process of accepting my own authority within. Like I go within, yeah. I don't go without. Uh -huh. I go within my own body because my body's holy by the fact that it's a living, breathing body that's communicating with the earth, with the cosmos, with whatever, but it's inside, not outside. Because mm -hmm. it flows through me. I love that. Yeah. That's actually how I met you. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The group that you used to run. Yeah. That is still my favorite goddess women's group because there was something so authentic and intentional about it. It didn't feel gatekeepy, mm. where some of the other groups can feel that way. Like you have to know all of this language or the certain traditions and it just felt like come as you are and connect to yourself and and go inward but also connect with these other women here yeah thank you for saying that yeah there's so many times in the last bit that i've had to like re-examine because i know better now than i did then you know so because you've changed yeah. just naturally through time mm -hmm. yeah yeah i still so you're, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I want to ask you so many questions about that. We'll table that. Can I go back to the earlier question that you asked? Of, oh, yeah. Of the like how, because I was thinking about it, how I kind of got to that awareness of my own how coming to my yeah, body. trusting yourself. So I'd say similar. I also leaving religion and I started trying different practices, really connecting to nature, movement dancing. I started going to this ecstatic dance community, which mm -hmm. is kind of conscious, free form movement dancing. Like often my eyes are closed and I'm not even dancing to the music necessarily. For example, if the music is faster, I might be going really slow and I'm maybe slowly turning my head and seeing what that feels like. And mm -hmm. my hand might be over my heart or maybe I'm like, on the ground kind of stretching and just really intentionally noticing what I'm feeling. 
And as I've done more of that, there's no right or wrong way. That's what I love about it, right? There's nobody telling me this is the moves that you should do for dancing or this is the right way where you're supposed to, and there's no goal. And I just have had profound emotional releases. I've had kind of visual experiences almost, I don't know how to Like an that. altered state? Like an altered state of consciousness, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just been really powerful. And as I've done more of those type of practices along with like meditating, some goddess rituals and practices as well. It's just naturally led me to more go into your body, notice what you're feeling. And then I've just found people that are also passionate about that. And we started just learning more. I've just been consuming information and practicing actually this practice that's called Hakomi Somatic Mindfulness Practice. Mm -hmm. And... I'm new at practicing this and I'm just getting training from somebody who has received training by Hakomi professionals. And some of the premises of it, the first one is really slowing down and being mindful. So with my clients and with myself, if I'm really in my head and I'm talking about all of these things, for example, my therapist or whoever's guiding me in this Hakomi method might be like, oh, there's a lot going on in your head right now. It's not bad. It's not good. We're just like noticing what's happening in the, mm -hmm. in the moment. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then I might be guided to notice what that feels like, what your body is feeling like right now. And maybe it's like tense or maybe it's cold or hot. So you might notice different qualities, different shifts. temperatures. Yeah. And so one of the biggest parts of it is really slowing down, slowing down awareness slowing down the body, and then focusing on sensations, on even the tone of my voice, the speed of my voice. And then there's different layers of consciousness is how the Hakomi method kind of describes it. So there's like this, you know, mental narrative layer that we're super aware of. And then there's this emotional layer there's this body somatic physical sensations layer and that's really where we focus because that's like the trailhead to more of the like collective unconscious or or symbols that'll mm -hmm. uh, that are there or or memories mm -hmm. and then that kind of leads to like core beliefs and and so it just works with these different layers and trying to get deeper to the more unconscious layers that we're not as aware of so we can shine a light on more of these unconscious patterns. Yeah. So when we were talking about internal family systems, mm -hmm. it's like we are tuning into our mental chatter. Yes. And what's happening. And once you get there, you identify what that mental chatter is like, oh, and it's creating a feeling. So if my, mm -hmm. if my internal chatter is saying, you're a piece of shit, mm -hmm. how does that make me feel? And then you step into the emotional realm. Mm -hmm. And then from there, okay, well, where does that land in your body? Exactly. And so what I'm hearing is this Hakomi method. It says, let's start with the body, mm -hmm. get into the body, and then go from there. Yeah. And so what I'm doing as somebody who's really just practicing and kind of dipping my toes in this 
as a client in my own work and also as a therapist is I'm just kind of reflecting that back and helping them to see their own experience. So I'm really noticing, you know, slight, there might be a tremor in the chin or a scrunching up of the eyebrow Yeah. or... Every time you're saying something, I'm doing it. I'm like, yeah, my eyebrows are <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, yeah. When you mirror it. Um, so I'm like maybe pointing that out and then having them slow that down and deepen and really immerse in that experience and and maybe even repeat it and really feel the scrunching of the eyebrows. Versus mm-hmm. often we're doing these things we don't even know and then we're just jumping onto the next thing and we're we're going so fast. So it's really being with it and then deepening. There's this belief that the body is organized towards healing and growth. So you trust that it'll unfold the way that it needs to at the body's own pace. So I'm not, I don't have an agenda of, oh, sometimes I want to, and that's my own shit that I have to yeah. like pull back and be super aware of. I need to sit back and and let it unfold at their own pace and their own, that they know how to heal themselves. So... Well, it goes back to this principle of homeostasis. We take that as such like a physical, you know, breathing regulation, digestion. Mm-hmm. But the body's so organized that the physiological responses and safety, like it builds these containers, and then you can actually do the emotional work. And the mental work, because the body's the house in which that all happens. Yes. So it's if it like, can, are you saying, I want to understand that. Okay. If it, the containers, are you saying it, almost like safety or slowing down? Safety, slowing down. Yeah, the body responses will do all of those things so that you can then get deeper in your work. Because like, let's just take trauma. Because that's so easy to navigate because we've all had, Mm -hmm. we've all gone into flight and fight and Mm -hmm. freeze fawn, all the Fs. We've all, (laughs) all, all, yeah, we've lived that long enough to know that when you're in that state, what's happening to the body? Blood is constricting in your internal organs. It's going toward your limbs Mm -hmm. so that you can do what you need to do. So that increases the blood pressure. Your immune system goes down because you don't need immune function. Fertility, things like, Mm. you know, your sex function, it all goes down because you don't need those processes when you're in a situation of life and death and danger. And so like, when you slow down and get out of a a trauma state, your body can re-regulate and you can redirect blood flow and have Mm. slower breathing, slower heart rate, your immune functions working better. Like there's all these physiological things that are happening that make it safe. And so if your body then becomes safe, then you can feel it and and it's like you're okay to step inside of it. Yeah. Because you have more sensation. Mm-hmm. Because it's safe to feel the sensation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like that you're naming those specific processes yeah. of what's happening in the body. And that's a good thing that you brought up with trauma because it can take time and building safety and non-violence is a really important thing. So I'm never going to force either myself or somebody else of, we need to dive in there and we need to get to some deep core belief shit because 
that can be really too much. And so, and that's me, right? Another person outside versus trusting that if they're in fight or flight or freeze, that's a protective system that's there for a reason. So we need to honor that and understand why it's there and what does it need to feel safe. And that's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. So a lot of the work is building that safety and trust within their own body. And, and I can, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I've had to name what it looks like when I'm in fight. Yeah, Naming, have that awareness yeah. of what is the specific. Because mm-hmm. everybody looks different. Like I am mm-hmm. not going to be hyper working out. I'm going to be like picking my face or like focusing on my like grooming or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That is my fight is more like hyper fixation of something. Mm-hmm. It is not, Ooh, it doesn't that's... look like what it looks for other people. That's that's a cool distinction. Yeah. It is unique for everybody. For me, I have this overstimulation of all the sensory things. And so sound. Like when I'm in that state and somebody's talking to me, I'm like, I feel like you're yelling at me. Not even this isn't even an argument. I'm just like, why are you yelling? And they're like, people will be like, I'm not yelling. And I'm like, oh, but can you maybe like whisper? I need you to actually whisper. <laughs> It's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm sound. Yeah, I have sensory with sound too. Yeah. Like if I'm in an environment and there's a lot of competing sounds, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I am just in disarray and I am like I can't handle this. And that's when my that's when my flight kicks in. Got to get out of here. Yes. Too much. Yes. And that's when I know that I want to go like isolate. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I'm loving this conversation. I'm loving like breaking down what it actually looks like somatically to feel the body and mm-hmm. f- and and acknowledge it. Come back to the body. Come back to the body mm-hmm. cuz I start at the body and I think a lot more therapists are jumping on board of like let's go with the body. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Cuz our bodies are so wise. Mhm. Anyway, thank you so much for being here for this episode. And we're going to have you back for a second episode. And you're going to share some examples of what it looks like for you to do somatic therapy. And we're actually going to do a demo. Yeah, are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm nervous. But join us for part two with Lindsay. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Thanks. everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Lindsay. (laughs) 